Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, the podcast where we delve into the world of CMS systems and their crucial role in website and web content development. In each episode, we'll explore the reasons why founders, CEOs, CTOs, and CMOs of web content development companies need CMS systems to thrive in the digital landscape. Get ready to uncover the secrets behind successful website management, content creation, and seamless user experiences. Here's your host, Jonathan Ames. Welcome to Cutting Edge Web Content Development, a podcast by Better CMS. Today, I'm joined by Paul Seal, who's an Embraco tech lead at the digital agency Kirkswell in London, has almost two decades of web development experience. Paul, glad to have you here and really excited about this podcast episode. Could you give us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I didn't start out doing uh, web development. I didn't actually either go to university to get a degree like the traditional route. I started out working at a small like production company where they're producing materials for big companies like Marks and Spencer and things like that. And uh, whilst I was there, I was given the opportunity to go into the office because I always knew I wanted to do an office job. And it was the idea about making processes faster. So like looking for optimizations and things like that. So I ended up finding, instead of using the print press next door, I uh, found a way to do it on the laser jet printer. So that put the print guy out. of <laughs> Things like that, always looking for those sort of opportunities. And after that, I went to a bank where I was initially in an admin role, and but ended up going on the phones. But while I was on the phones, I'm looking at, oh, how can we improve this? You know, looking at oh, my spreadsheet knowledge, my access database knowledge, you know, those sorts of things. And uh, the coding side of those programs, you know, like with Visual Basic for applications, BBA, and oh, right, yeah, I could do this. And so the managers and team leaders were coming to me, oh, Paul, how would you do this? So from those sorts of things, those managers and team leaders, they were feeding into management information reports. So I ended up being pulled into those that side of the business. And from there, I was look. I was wanted. I was fascinated with dynamic websites. You know, like it's all right having a website that's static, but I really want to. How do you do a dynamic website? Even just to get the date to display what the current date is now fascinated me at the time. So yeah, I went through that route. I got made redundant from the bank at some point and I retrained to do web development, which is what I always wanted to do. And I think, oh yeah, I went to Balfour BT, which is a big construction company that do all sorts. And I did web development there and then went to an agency. And it was the agency side of things that really captured my interest because you get to work on lots of different websites for all sorts of companies. And I've been at agencies ever since, and it was in my first agency where I've learned about Ombraco. You talked about optimization and how that's kind of your passion. Maybe you can talk about how you got into looking to optimize the editor experience in CMSs. Yeah, so when I was working at the first agency I worked for, we learned about, well, we had our own in-house CMS. A lot of companies have an in-house CMS. And the problem with that was that every time we came to make a change to it, it was a big deal. It wasn't just a change to this particular instance of a website. It was actually to the code base itself, adding these fields and everything. And if you did it for one, you could branch off and do it for this particular one. But if you're doing it for one, you end up doing it for all. It was a big pain. So that was when we looked for a different CMS and we looked 
And we found Umbraco, which is a open source one. It has a strong community about it and there's the support around it. So that was one of the things about the optimization. It was just so easy to be able to make these sorts of changes, but it's not necessarily to Umbraco itself. It's just to you create these content types and things like that. And you can just easily, if there's a client that wants to add something new to it, you could just add to the content type, make new ones and things like that. So that's the sort of thing that I like to do with the optimization to make things better and easier. So there was a website on my last agency I worked for. They're an Umbraco Gold Partner and they've got a big insurance customer. And this customer has wanted it. They've got a new template design, but they've got an old website. And they know that there's better ways of doing things in Umbraco, but they're just left with this old one. So the approach that I took was to, okay, we can build your website, we can build your template, and you can move your content into the new version, but without having to take anything down or anything like that. So we did it all in the development side of things and everything. But we created a block uh, the way things are, you know, like with sections in HTML and things, we created a block editing approach, and that's where it's going with Umbraco at the moment, and probably other content management systems. It's just a block approach. So, and we added this block list. So, we added it to the existing one, but you can't just stop showing the old template and show the new template, especially because they needed all the content in as well. So, the idea was to actually create a query string so that when we got it through development and UAT and what have you, we got it onto live, but we had a query string so that while they were editing, they could take the content that was in all the old properties, put it into this new block list, which is just one field, but just multiple blocks added to it. And they could do that, but they view it with a query string that just said, you know, I don't know, uh, template version equals two or something, and they could see it themselves. And when the time was right, they could switch it over. So now they're using the nice new template. They've got a, a far better editing experience as well with Umbraco with the block list approach rather than individual fields. There's nothing worse than I hate with a field that's called content one and then content two and then, you know, the numbered fields and things like that. Yeah, so we was able to transition them over to that. And so rather than having to do a big rebuild of a site, you can make these improvements to sites by adding these fields and things like that and just just slowly improving it for them without making a massive change to their site. Yeah, so you bring up something here, going into the strategy side of things. This is this idea of a lot of the headless CMS use composable as a way of saying these blocks, components. Yeah. The idea of these content pieces that you can rearrange and assemble as needed. So if you're planning the architecture of a site and you want to switch, you're like, okay, this sounds really good to have these little blocks and stuff in place. How do you prioritize the needs of these content editors in that design process to make this possible? So normally when we are working on a new site for a client or we take on a new client or they have an existing site and maybe they want to migrate to a newer version. Like we have some, we do Sitecore as well. So maybe they're going from Sitecore to Umbraco and things. So we basically would go through the requirement, a business analyst will go through the requirements of what they want to get out of the site. And we'll do wireframes and functional specs. So at that point, we're just seeing what's the output going to be. But also they've come back and check with us as developers and the who work with the CMS, like, are these things possible? What we want to output on there, is it going to be possible? And actually, what would the editing experience be like for a thing like this? 
Only yesterday I was asked that question and I spun up a quick demo just showing the block grid editor and how you can change the size of the block just by dragging it and you've got the previews and things like that. So during those, whilst the wireframes are being created and the functional specs being written, there's always this conversation between the analyst and the developer to make sure that what's going to go be put forward to the client and for them to then sign off and say, yeah, that actually is what we want. There's always that constant feedback and checking loop there. And the same with the design. It gets sent over to the designer and then it comes back through to developer as well to say, actually, is this possible? What they're saying here with all this parallax and all of these things and can you make it do that? Is it going to be too complicated? And so we're always looking at that and just making sure that what we will end up delivering to the client is still what they wanted and possible. And technically possible. Yeah. That is a key point is being able to have at the strategic level, both your code level and your creative people come together. Hey, this is what we want. This is what the code can produce. Yes, this is possible. And then make sure that there's that balance between priorities because obviously... Maybe you, it is possible in the code to do what you're wanting to do, but it will have some unintended consequences. Like maybe your page load speed is now really slow because of that beautiful effect that you have. Possible, but maybe not desirable. So when you're thinking now in this process of going to components, to these blocks, how do you take an existing site strategically and say, here's how we transition it from this page structure to components, to blocks that could be reused? I know a lot of the technical writers already get this because they use this in their planning. They think of their technical writing as little blocks that can be reassembled into different locations. But not a lot of marketers may have experience with this kind of thinking as far as content. Yeah, so what I think the example that I gave you there before where we took it from this old approach with the just fields and rich text editors and things like that, and then we made it into a block approach. I think part of it is actually having something to demo to the client and getting their buy and getting them to see the benefits of it. Being able to, there's something so valuable about being able to spin up a demo, talk the client through it, find out what, like you mentioned this earlier in previous conversations, you know, we can achieve that with one of these. Look how this gives you a preview. Not only is it block, you know, blocks like block grid or block list, those sorts of things, but you get a preview. So the client sees it up front. And they see it early on. So before you're actually doing the development on their side, you're seeing relevant demos for them from other like quick, I don't know, like there are starter kits and all sorts of things you can install or there are standard, oh yeah, what we, we'll show the client this. We also do videos as well of things that we love about our CMS and Braco, like, and we can send that to the client with bookmarks and things for separate chapters that we think is relevant for them. But yeah, it's just about when working with a client and they're editing it, it's about making it an enjoyable editing experience for them as well. Like the I, What I like to see is the fewer clicks as possible to get that content in and edit it. Like if we say we've got a static site and this client, if they want to update their site, they've got to get in touch with a developer. Right, well, let's make it so they can edit it. We'll remove the developer well, yeah, that's all right, but I don't know HTML. Right, let's make sure they don't ever have to do any HTML. And you can do fields for this. Oh, there's a lot of fields. Oh, well, what we'll do is we'll give you a component that you can just put these in. You can even do copy-paste on these blocks and things like that. And we're just always trying to reuse blocks and things, reuse popular 
we try not to do too much customization of Umbraco, actually. So we try to keep it simple and use what Umbraco has to offer. But there are some popular community packages that we use as well. So we, we make use of those and we contribute to those and we create our own as well. So all of these things together, where we are trying to improve the website for the client. So one of the benefits of what you were saying in going to kind of this components or blocks method of building a site is that you can reuse oh, yeah. things. Yeah. So you don't have to remake something on every page that basically could be simply a component you drop in. Uh, the other speed advantage there is that you could say, all right, if it is universal and I want to make a change and this component is on 20 pages or 200 pages, I make the change in the component and now it goes global to all 200 pages. I don't have to go into every page and change it in every instance. Yeah. This is really good, for instance, translation. You know, if you're going to localize your website and you have to make a change to the content and now it goes to 40 languages, if it's a component, very easy to make the change in that one component and then have it localized to all those languages, any place that component is located. Yeah, exactly. That is the big thing, isn't it? It's like when you can, so do you do it so that it's just edited on the page itself? Or like a person, maybe this, you want to relate a person to this page. And do you add the person to the page or do you have a repository of people that you update in a central location? And so also you're fine. Well, when I make the relation, do I make the relation from the person itself and say, I want to show this on these pages? I want it to be on the about page. I want it to be on this particular article. Or do you go into the articles themselves and point back to the person? And by then, are you doing too many journeys, like clicking around as an editor? All right, I want that person, but I want them on all these pages. I know the pages I want them on. I have to go into each page to then relate it back and do five different saves rather than on the individual person. I could have just picked those five pages from it. Yeah. And done one save. So there's those sorts of decisions to be made. And maybe you could make that decision or you could ask the client which they prefer. But at the end of the day, the main thing is that you're thinking about these things. You're thinking about the best way for the client, the fewer clicks, the most enjoyable experience for the editing side. I remember when on my first agency that I moved to, and when we first started working with Umbraco, we built one of our first Umbraco sites and our MD was interested in how it was going and he wanted to click around in Umbraco and start editing some of the site for the customer. And he actually really got into it because of he'd used our in-house CMS before and he knew how sluggish and clunky that was. So to be able to use this modern CMS that it could click around, it could edit it, he actually did loads of the content editing himself because he was actually enjoying it. And he was the MD, you know, he didn't need to touch it at all. Yeah. That kind of ease of use, really super important, not just from the enjoyability of the particular editor, but also just from a productivity standpoint. I mean, if you enjoy it, you're going to adopt more of the features. If it's quick, you're going to produce your content and deliver it faster. I mean, just the, the idea of components we were talking about is that item of information on five separate pages where you have to go into each of the five to make a change, or is it in one spot that then delivers to those five. Yeah. That's a fifth of the production time, you know. So as a operations person, you think about that and you're like, wow, that's a huge saving. So building in components could make it faster for marketing to deliver things. You need less people to do more items. So just from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense too. But 
Let me ask you the next question. You mentioned earlier about this idea of sticking with kind of the base version and not going to a lot of customizations. How do you find that balance between offering these powerful customization options and maintaining that user-friendly interface? So the main thing is it's about long-term support for me. So if we were to make a choice for a using a third-party package, first of all, how hard would that be for us to create that ourselves? Who is the creator of the package and how long have they been doing this for? And are they still going to be around? And do they have a roadmap for this going forward? Like, do they plan to go with us for the length of what we see this site going? So we think of all those things. But if you find that, really, if you try your best to stick to the basics of what is in this CMS, then when it does come to the upgrades, it's a lot easier because it's the upgrades are built based on what this CMS offers. So those migrations, there's been quite a lot of upgrades lately from different versions of Umbraco. It went from .NET Framework to .NET Core and things. So what you find is that third-party package developers drop off at that point. Oh, I'm not doing the .NET Core version of that. And if they do, they might create it in a totally different way and not create a way to migrate that for you. So it's just about choosing the right ones. But also what I'd like to do is I create packages and customizations myself. So if this doesn't exist or if this user does drop off, can I support this? Can I help in and make sure that I can support the features that we're using on this? So yeah, it's for me, it's just about keep it as simple as possible, but as useful as possible. And when you do need to use a third-party package, as long as it's not something that you could just write yourself anyway, you may as well bring that into the code base. Or if it's MIT licensed, that's one of the big things as well, checking the licensing on these other third-party packages. But yeah, if it's MIT, you could, in theory, bring that into your project yourself and just you support that going forward. But yeah, all those things we consider. Yeah, important. So in your view, what makes a good... CMS editor experience. What's the difference between a good experience and maybe it's just an average one? Is it that simplicity? I think it's keeping it simple. It's I like a good experience for me is to have a preview as well. So to actually be able to see what you're building, it doesn't have to be exactly the same as what it's going to look like on the site. But if you can get some sort of preview, and you, and you can, there are customizations. I know with Umbraco where you can just have like a preview package added and now you see what they would see on the front end. So being able to see what you're editing and how it's going to look, I think that makes a good editing experience. I said before about fewer clicks as well. Like, if you think, like, how many times do I have to go into this? I have to add, I'll tell you what, I've got a good example from yesterday. We were trying to make a decision. So there was this image tile with a link and also a description could go under that. So that could be optional. And our BA was like, well, actually, the image could be optional and the title and the, the description, they could all be optional. And we could reuse this for the text tile one as well. And actually, we could use this for the person tile as well when you added person. And then I was talking about, I was like, well, the thing is that then all you have then is just this generic object. You're just adding, let's say, a tile. And the user, if they needed to create a person, well, they don't know for definite, oh, I need to just add a tile, choose the option to make it a round image, put the title there, that will be the name and everything. So you can make lots of things reusable, maybe reusable in the code and everything, but the person who's editing this, if they've got to really use, a, like, 
Now, how do I achieve this? Well, if these things were named as, oh yeah, add a person, add an image tile, add a, a text tile, these are clearly named objects that you can then inherit some of their properties to make that reuse in the development side of things. But it, it should be more about the editor and what their experience is like and shortening it for them, not necessarily for you as a developer. Because making just, oh yeah, well, could you use this on everything? When you make it too generic, it's it's not a great editing experience, in my opinion. Good point there. So there is a balance line in between reusability and ease of use, where you find a happy medium in there, where there's enough information. You don't have to think a lot. You can easily know what you're supposed to do with this particular block or component and use it. And yet you can still use it in more than one location. Yeah. But that's good formatting there. So when you're thinking on a tactical level. Now, we understand the idea of why you want to have a good user experience, how using components or blocks can make that faster for production, better for the user as they're editing. What have you found has really helped maybe have an experience of a component or a block that you built that directly impacted the efficiency of these content editors? So one that I can think of is, I mean, it might not be a great example, but one that just does come to mind is and a video, you know, when you share videos, maybe you have, so what we tried not to do is have the video hosted on the website itself. You could add, upload an MP4, but it's far more efficient for it to be streamed from something like Vimeo or YouTube. And adding that video to the page, yeah, obviously you can go to YouTube, you can find the share tab on the embed part, and you can copy that embed code and you can paste that in. And that's all well and good, but what better than that is to just be able to just take the URL of that video and just store the, the URL in Umbraco. So you just have it. So you had a video component and you just store the URL of the video. And then that could build the iframe uh, code for them. So they don't need to worry about the actual code and accidentally put something in that shouldn't be. All they're doing is just putting the, the video URL in. And then we can pick that up with code and work out what the actual idea is of the video and do all of those things. But to take that even further, what I did was to, I found some, I can't remember what it's called, but basically like a light version of this YouTube embed where it will take you, all you store in the back office is just the URL for the video. But what it does in the code is it just, when it renders it on the page, it's just got YouTube video, like in the HTML, it's just a YouTube video with the ID. And then the JavaScript will render an image and that's it. So it won't even download all of the uh, the iframe embedding things like that because that's more performant for Lighthouse scores and things like that. It's just literally the image. And you can let them override it with their own preview image or the one that comes from YouTube. And then when you click on the actual image, that's when it goes off, the JavaScript goes off and replaces the image with the embed version of that video. And then that lets them have that video player in there. But if you think about all of those things that we've achieved there, really we did it all by just letting them just put one URL for a video in, in this component. And we did all the work behind the scenes to make it easier for them to embed, but also more efficient for the end user who's coming to the page. So they don't have to download half a meg of JavaScript and things like that just to see the page. Yeah, no, that's it's a great example of usability, using the code and the component to do the heavy lifting of parsing that URL, but allowing the user knowing that the fastest process for them is simply to pull that URL 
and bring it in and then know that their video is going to be in there, less chances of error. So a great example of that. So let's say you've got something running in a CMS and you're trying to look for feedback from your editors and find out what's working and what's not. What have been effective ways for you gathering and integrating that editor feedback? One thing that I do like to do, and that is face-to-face and actually seeing someone using the CMS. So, I mean, I know on the front end you can do things where you can record their sessions and what have you. And I suppose in theory you could get it to record their sessions if you added the JavaScript for those libraries in. But yeah, I like to actually meet up with the editors and just see how they're using it and make notes, let them know there and then quicker ways of doing those things as well but actually finding out what they were trying to achieve. So yes, they could just click through and edit these pages, but being there with them and finding out their goals for their use for this site, actually, you can find out far more. And they probably didn't even need to do these things. What they actually needed was something else. So you can get feedback on how their editing is and everything else, but really what's best to find out is what problems are they trying to solve and then see other ways of how we can uh, support them and provide solutions for those ones. But I'm interested in what ways you might have experience with that one. That was a good question. I wonder if you've got any maybe with Butter CMS or any other things you've come across. Yeah, yeah, good question. I think just like you, face-to-face meetings with the direct users always yield good insights because they're very familiar. If they're having a problem doing something or they know it takes multiple steps, then they're doing that many times and they'll remember that they'll come back and they'll talk to you. So we often have, you know, lunches with our clients and we just talk to them from the user experience. What are the things that you wish you could do differently? And that kind of goes to what you were saying of, ask them, what are you trying to accomplish here? And usually when they explain that, if you have someone there from the code side who knows what's possible, they can pull out of that and say, okay, there's some things you're missing that you could do, or I could make a few changes here to make that easier. Just like your example of being able to paste in the URL. There's, Google actually has a lot of options that you can put into a YouTube embed, but it's a little bit difficult if you're not tech savvy to know what those are and to make sure you're getting the right ones. Whereas someone who is tech savvy can build that into the, the code side of things and simply take that URL and then from there say, all right, here I can make this in a better interface than what YouTube has provided to allow the user to select, do you want to have you know, the controls at the bottom, common thing? Do you want this to automatically break into chapters or go to another video at the end of this? There's a lot of those little options. And sometimes it is helpful to go to them, we found, and show them, hey, here's some things you could do with this component. And like you said, in a demo environment, you show it off and it sparks people's imagination. They say, oh, could I also use this for this use case? Well, yes, you could. They don't know what they don't know as a user. They know what problems they run into. So if you're wanting to fix problems, usually an in-person is the best. But if you're wanting to help them be more efficient overall, you almost have to show them what's possible and then have them pick out what they want. So yeah, we've done that generally in a webinar. So it's like in a webinar environment, we'll show, hey, here's some things you can do with these components. And then people will say, ah, oh, and then they'll ask in the, the comments, could you use it for this? So that's what's worked best for us. So switching from the idea of gathering this feedback, how do you tell when you're successful? What are the metrics that you use to say, now we have optimized it to the point where 
Our editors are efficient. They're enjoying the experience. They're able to create the things they want. How do you know when you're there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I remember when I worked at the bank, one of the best phrases was, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. So if you think about that all the time, really what you need to be doing is measuring it beforehand, don't you? So seeing how long it takes people to edit a page beforehand or maybe how many editors it takes to do this, to achieve what they need to do on the site. And then, so if you gather that data beforehand, you can then gather the same data after and see if there's a reduction in that as well. You could do surveys to ask how they feel the editing experience is going now on the site since the update. But regular check-ins with the client as well. We have client calls and just account managers will have a calls and find out how it's going as well. But yes, I suppose measuring it is the main thing and then having the calls to check in with the client to see what they feel on a regular basis, I would say. But rather than just talking to the person who speaks, who is the liaison, again, I think it's still better to speak to the editors themselves because they can't speak for everyone. One thing that I did at my previous agency was actual training sessions on the CMS. So once we deliver the new version of the CMS or they've gone from Sitecore to Umbraco or from Butter to Umbraco, it's good to actually give them a training session on how to use Umbraco in this new version and just go through some of the basics. Give people a chance to speak up because you could deliver this, but actually they will go away and some of them won't know. It is not always intuitive to everyone. And so then like where you have the old thing of Chinese whispers, so you find out what the last person told them how to do it. So you just find that person's version of how to do it. And so they pick up that. And so the information can get lost. So another good thing is to have those like over Zoom or Teams, just to have sessions where you give like a bit of a training session, but also give a chance for people to ask questions and to get help with things. Yeah, that's a great example. You know, training, especially in the onboarding process where you have them kind of malleable and able to take in new ideas and new ways of doing things. You can show that up front, maybe collect some of that feedback in that initial onboarding training of, you know, hey, here's a point where they stumbled or it didn't seem intuitive. You could then go back and fix that right away. Great insight. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I like to search for, on YouTube, search for videos. So I search for Umbraco videos, just so I can stay up to date. And um, I came across a video, and it was someone who recorded their screen and their microphone, and they're clicking around, and they're desperately trying to edit their page. And I don't think it was meant to be a public video. It was meant to go to their developer, or whoever developed the site for them. And he's like, right, I'm just clicking on this now. I'm trying to add this to the page. Is it this? And they're clicking on all these sorts of things and they just don't know what it is that they're supposed to do. How are they achieving it? And I'm looking at it, screaming, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. (laughs) Obviously, I can't tell them, but it's just interesting to see how this person is struggling with that particular implementation of the site for them. And just by speaking to them directly, you can help them. Not everyone, if you can train a good way of using that CMS when you've delivered it, this is really efficient. but If you don't know the efficiencies, then you could just be doing things the wrong way or the slow way. One of the places that I found great feedback to, you'd asked us earlier, where do we get feedback? I like to go to look at the reviews on G2 or other places where they talk about the software experience. And I typically will look for 
the top level reviews and the bottom. So people who really love it or really hate it. And I'll look at why do they really love it or why did they say they really hated it? Those are the pain points that really that come from the users, the editors. And they're saying, oh, it's either really slow, like the back and forth. When I update something, I got to wait for several seconds or minutes before it updates. So there's a pain point of like the speed from the server, the latency that's going on. Somebody else might say, I really want to be able to do this, but you can't do it. So I have to use this workaround, which, so it's looking for those kind of things. And, you know, we look at it for our own system for butter. We also look at it on competitors and say, all right, there's, there's a pain point they're having. Maybe we can address that better in our next release. So those kind of things that really, it's just like you said, it's looking in over the shoulder of those users and seeing how they're doing it, what they're having problems with. It really can help with some of those usability fixes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, Paul, from just a professional standpoint, if you could go back in time, and I ask this of all my guests, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself at the very beginning of your career, what advice would you give yourself? It's interesting you say that because what I started to do, I'd say my career within web development, I would say, but what I started to do, once I actually got ahead, uh, got an understanding of how to do things in Umbraco or particular coding things, I decided to start creating YouTube tutorials for me a lot. What, I, what would I have wanted to know? Because sometimes there's a real steep learning curve with these technologies. And especially for developing Umbraco, when I started doing Umbraco, there was a real steep learning curve for me. So I wanted to help old me. So anyone coming in, I wanted to help them. So I started creating YouTube tutorials just to help them, guide them through those what all of the obstacles that they might get to and give them a nice introduction out like a happy pass through on how you can do these things and get them to enjoy developing in it and just give them the bug for it and say that, oh I want to do some more. And I don't go into too much detail or too technical or too far down because I feel like you should, once you get the basics and things, you'll go off and discover those things yourself. And you'll join in with the forums and the, and the Discord channels and things. So when, what I would tell myself is, so that's what I was wanting to tell myself is by creating tutorials. And I would tell myself to blog earlier. So I, what I like to do is I like to create blog posts of when I've had pain points, when something's really taken so much time, like my colleague today, and not my colleague, my former colleague said, he's wasted 14 hours trying to solve this issue. And it was just typo. And he'd wasted 14 hours. But just if you've got pain and things like that, it's like just writing a blog post so that if someone else is, I can't get this to load. Oh, I have the same problem. And actually, I worked out how to do it. And it was this. It's just, uh, being able to save yourself in six months' time when you've forgotten completely how to do it or people coming in behind you who haven't come across it yet. So yeah, I'd probably tell myself to blog earlier. Like I did start blogging probably six or seven years ago but I would have blogged it even before then. Even before then. So give back, make comments about those things, those insights that you discover. So have there been any channels that you mentioned forums, Discord groups that have been really helpful to you over your career or podcasts or books that you've like, wow, this was great. Yeah, so the podcast called codingblocks.net. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. There's uh, three guys in America. No, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, they chat about on bracket, uh, not on bracket, about .NET. And they started out with just talking about programming in .NET and the basics. 
And then the conversations I really enjoyed is like their water cooler conversations about technology and about things like that. So that was a good podcast that I got into. I also enjoy, what's that other one in America called? It's Syntax, Syntax FM, yeah. Syntax. That's really good as well, just for trying to stay up to date with the front-end side of things because I'm more of a .NET developer, the back-end side of things, but I do like to keep an eye on what's coming up in the browsers with all the headless things going on and all these new frameworks every week that come out for JavaScript. And they seem to keep me up to date with those sorts of things. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about Kirkswell. I mean, Kirkswell is a digital agency. Give us a little feel for like what makes Kirkswell different and kind of who you work best with. Yeah, so a digital agency, we primarily serve clients in the professional membership, financial and public sectors. And yeah, we pride ourselves in understanding pain points and uh, business goals. And we have long-term relationships with clients as well. We're not sort of company that will just deliver a project and then move on sort of thing. We want to build a relationship. We want to help you achieve this big migration or moving from one CMS to the other or whatever. Achieve those goals there. But also we want to help you going forward long-term. So we will suggest things for you. You know, we have retainers and things. So along the way, we will try and suggest improvements or we'll do, like you said, webinars and invite our clients to see the new features on the CMSs that we work with as well. But yeah, we're Umbraco Gold Partners, we're Sitecore Silver Partners, and Microsoft Gold Partners as well. And yeah, we just love... We actually went to MemberWise conference a couple of weeks ago, and it was the first time I went to a conference where I was on the stands in the hall where everyone goes around seeing all the people exhibiting. And uh, I really enjoyed actually just speaking to people that were attending the conference. I wasn't actually in the talks, but just having a conversation with them about are they enjoying the talk and what parts of the talk, which talks were good for them and what pain points did it speak to? Like, how is that going to help them? So I'm learning more about, even if these aren't clients of ours yet, I'm just learning about those types, because these are our types of clients and what pain points our types of clients have, like you said, with the G2. It's just good to get that knowledge of those. So yeah, I really enjoyed that conference and yeah, we're going to do more of those as well. Well, so if somebody wants to get in contact with you, are there some conferences you're going to be exhibiting at in the future or maybe let us know your website so how people can connect with you? Yeah. So you can, if you want to get in touch with Clarkswell to work with us, it's hello at clarkswell.com. That's C-L-E-R-K-S-W-E-L-L, Clarkswell. Our website, obviously, Clarkswell. If you want to get in touch with me, my website is codeshare.co.uk. And I've got some links at the bottom for my socials. Excellent. And will there be a show that you're going to be at in the near future? I will hopefully go to Umbraco Spark in March. And I think there'll be another member-wise conference. So for the big membership people with big membership sites, I will be trying to go to all of those member-wise conferences in London as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate your insights and talking for and speaking up for the content editors out there. Really appreciate that. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. Cutting Edge Web Content Development is brought to you by Butter CMS. To find out how you can build better with Butter, stop wasting dev time, and free your marketers from your legacy CMS, visit buttercms.com. 
Also, make sure to search for Cutting Edge Web Content Development in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Butter CMS, thank you for listening.